At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. From the home of TV news, interviews, and reviews, this is The Custard TV, live and now. It's time to talk telly, with the best TV trio since Anton Deck Dish Bruce. It's time for Luke, Luke, Gary, and Matt, with The Custard TV Podcast. Let's go! I just realised that our intro contains the words of the current British number one single. Let's get ready to rumble. We are so contemporary. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You wouldn't know that that intro it's, was made it's, in it's 1994. It's like 1994, really, isn't it? Again. Yeah. I half expected to turn on and see the big breakfast this morning. I was really annoyed that it wasn't there. Okay, it's the Custom TV podcast where we talk about the best and the worst on the box. TV news, reviews and previews uh, with myself, Luke, runner of the website, and uh, Gary, hello. I'm the walker of the website, yes. And Matt, hello. Hello, and I'm sort of, you know, hunched over a chair most of the time. <laughs> Do you know, that's how, we've never met, but that's how I envisioned oh, you. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. You've got, you've got that sort of hunchback sound to your voice. <laughs> I'm not sure how you envisage me, I'm slightly worried to ask. No, like something out of um, the labyrinth. Oh yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. David Bowie, not David Bowie. Yeah, not David Bowie. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> okay, so much, so much happened over the four days that made up the Easter weekend. So we're just going to run through some news quick. Uh, we already know that David Tennant is returning for the Doctor Who fiftieth. It now turns out that Billy Piper has been added to that list as well as Gavin and Stacey star Joanna Page. If you want to see pictures of David and Matt together, you can go to thecustardtv.com. Um, Bruce Forsyth says he may have a slightly smaller role in the next series of Strictly Come Bouncing. And uh, filming has begun today on a brand new sitcom written by and starring David Tennant. It's called Big School. And it's going to be on BBC One, stars Philip Gunnister, Joanna Scanlon, Francis Delatour and Catherine Tate. And all the info for that is also at the website, thecustardtv.com. Shield creator Sean Ryan is to produce a US remake of Sky's Mad Dogs. That's all the big news from today. Just rushing through it because there's so much great telly on. First of all... Gary, how yeah. much TV do you reckon you watched over the Easter weekend? Over Easter, uh, probably four hours a day. But I was ill, and, so I mean, that, that kind of yeah. is allowed. And since ITV are bringing back catchphrase on Sunday, let's do a little bit of play your cards, right? Matt, higher or lower than four hours for you? 
Probably higher. Let's go. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring you back catchphrase, so let's play Breaker Well, no, if they can bring back a game show from the 80s that doesn't need to come back, we can do it oh, too. We're that relevant. I see the tenuous link. So it'll all make. When you listen back, it'll all make sense. That's what you said. When you hear. Yeah. When you hear doing it, it's all a blur. We don't actually know that anyone listens to this, fair enough. Um, I'm going to let you two, you two being Matt and Gary, yes. discuss Doctor Who, because as we know, I'm not a fan, not because I don't like Matt Smith or I don't like Jenna Louise Coleman, I like them both. I just think Doctor Who's something you're either a fan of and you're not, so I'm not. So I'm just going to sit back in the upright position, unlike Matt, who's hunched shall over I, as we speak. I, shall I paint the scene with a nice broad brush, Matt? Uh, and you yeah, can fill in the fine detail with a, with a, with a smaller brush. Uh, it was the return of the seventh series. This is the second part of the seventh series uh, of since Doctor Who returned. Uh, now run by and written by Stephen Moffat. Uh, the Doctor returned with a new assistant, General Louise Coleman. Well, I say she's new. She was in the Christmas special and she was in an episode last year, but she's now officially the official assistant. Um, and the episode, could I say that it had an element of Black Mirror to it, Matt? Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, a little bit, with the, with the Wi-Fi. Yeah, basically the, the sort of the alien this week was, was the, the higher intelligence uh, was uh, stealing people's souls through, through Wi-Fi. They were connecting to some weird uh, hieroglyphic Wi-Fi and it sucked their souls out through robots into the, to the, 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 the Wi-Fi, the world, the consciousness. Uh, and... and what technically happened was this happened to Jenna Louise Coleman's character, who's called Oswin? No. Clara. Clara Oswin something. Oh, my God. No, but what, she's called her middle name. He's in there Oswin. somewhere. Let him off. Yeah, come on. Uh, I think he's still ill. And, and you a, you a take lot, a sit down. The one thing that this episode of Doctor Who confirmed for me is I knew that the Shard was evil when it was being built. <laughs> and it was confirmed by the fact that the base of the higher intelligence was in the Shard. Uh, there were lots of good things in this episode. There were a couple... It was a little bit rushed, wasn't it? Yeah, the story... I found that the story was almost like just, you know, secondary to getting you yeah. know, the Doctor and Clara. This is like the third Clara, isn't it, really? Because they had yeah. the one who was the Dalek and the one who was like the 19th century governess. And this yeah. is like the modern-day version who I assume is going to accompany him in the TARDIS over the last... over the next sort of bit of the series. And obviously, you mentioned the... Uh, Great intelligence computer who was in the Christmas special as well. Yeah, Richard E. Grant. Well, the the, yeah. the intelligent computer is also in Ant and Deck every week as well. So. <laughs> it's a bit like the David Budley of Saturday yeah, Night. That Gary, in computer. the Christmas special, it was the Richard E. Grant was sort of talking to the computer, and he is actually now the computer. Yeah, he's now uh, he's now taken on Richard E. Grant's face uh, as the particular. That was what what was interesting was as as with most Doctor Who episodes, it, it sort of gave you more questions than it answered. Mm. You know, the whole question running through the series will be what. What, where has Clara come from? What What is she? Who is she? Why, why is, she, is she? Why does she keep appearing? Sort of thing, and and this missing what, this mm. missing word that apparently she's telling the question she's asking the Doctor, isn't there? Yeah. Um, run, run, you pretty boy, or something. And then there's a question well, which you don't get. Pretty boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're watching a different show altogether, <laughs> by the side of it. He's pretty clever for a pretty boy. Um, and um, are you sure what you were watching was on Saturday afternoon and not Friday night? definitely 615 um okay and, and the main thing is is that we got a little preview of what's coming up during the series and in later episodes i mean obviously we've got the return of the cybermen which is always a good a good one for for me i'm a big cyberman fan 
Uh, I always think they cause a lot of chaos. I'm disappointed. Are you? I'm disappointed that they haven't even broached the idea of bringing the master back for the fiftieth episode. Yeah. That maybe that will be the big surprise because he, you know, John Sim. John Sim played, character. Well, they could reincarnate him. You know, John doesn't have to be John Sim. It does. It doesn't. It can be somebody else. But I, I would John... like it to be John Sim. But. You know, overall, I think Doctor Who returned. I think the ratings were good, and I think the interest was good. I hope the storylines over the next few weeks can keep the interest going to the... I think the story should get better now. This seemed to sort of, for me, get a bit bogged down in trying to bring all the characters together, introduce this, like, the great intelligence computer may well have something to do with Clara's character and why she keeps reappearing. Does this show any sign of slowing down, though, to you two? No. No, I mean, with the fifth, the fiftieth episode thing is only going to sort of make it go global. I mean, uh, they sell it to America. It does big ratings on BBC America over there. You know, you still got all the, you still got all the the toys and everything. You know that they can create. I don't see Doctor Who slowing down ever. Not well, no, for a very long time. As long as I think, as long as someone in behind it can write it well, mm. like Stephen Moffat, bring it all together, like Russell C Davis did in the beginning. And now Stephen Moffat, and there's enough, there's enough Who fans out there that can do this kind of job. Also on Saturday night, The Voice went up against Saturday Night Takeaway. Uh, the Voice we've had an interesting relationship with on this podcast. We have. When it first started, we loved it, we raved about it, and Denise, who was with us at the time, sort of was the vo- was the voice of reason and said, "I don't get this. I don't get why you're so into it." And um, Whereas we were more the voice of the voice. We, we were more the voice of the voice. However, now, I have to be honest, and again, if people who are tuning in to hear me on this podcast are going to be very disappointed. Because, them, yeah. None of, yeah. because I'm going to let them talk about it again. Because I made a conscious decision not to watch it this time. I know I'm a TV reviewer, I know I do this website and things, but Matt, who I spoke to in the week, mm. told me enough about it that in the preview episode he'd seen that just made me think this is going to be cringeworthy, it's going to be awful. I mean, I just found the whole thing. It's, it's a flawed, it's a flawed format. It's, the, it's a flawed, the force, it's the a flawed format. What it brings into question, uh, Matt, to, to me, to ask, that me and you need to ask, is what was uh, Luke doing on Saturday night? Didn't watch Doctor he was watching that, he was watching something uh, take away and oh, eating okay. Easter eggs the day before he was supposed to because he's a rebel. <laughs> but he's rebels, well done. Um, um, but, but let me just say my piece on the voice, and then you two have actually seen it can, can go off in your own uh, turning chairs, not spinny chairs. I just think the four of them—they're not interesting. Jesse J is incredibly Ooh, annoying. Danny O'Donoghue, who is he? Why is he there? I, I know who he is. Don't Yes, exactly. I just think that, I just think it's a flawed format. It's a format that's worked around the world, particularly in America. It's gone gone down extremely well. We're doing something wrong with it here. It doesn't interest me, and I won't bother. And I didn't miss it for a year, and I won't miss it for uh, the second series. All right, I, I, I'm going to tell you why I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong because you're basing your feelings about the voice, about the way it limped over the line at the end of series one and the fact that you cannot unless you have a better memory than me which probably isn't hard remember the winner from last year or anything that happened in the, the last 
I mean, I mean, but if but if this was a drama series, would you be going? I can't remember it, so I'm going to give it another go. No, but it's not. No, you'd be going. It's completely. It's It's, completely. It's it's not not a drama series. It's it's a reality, uh, uh, you know, entertainment program. Yes, but nothing's going to come of it. The winner on this one either, because the BBC can't promote them. Well, that that's not necessarily true. I think the BBC can promote winners. They do quite a good job with the people who wing Strictly Come Dancing and things like that. It's whether they want They're already established, aren't they? Yeah, but well, they, we know who they are. The Strictly just reminds us who they are, but we've already known who they are. Mo- moving away from the argument and in, into the show, Matt, what, you go first on this one. What, what were your kind of overall impressions of this right, episode? Well, as Luke said uh, on, I think it was Thursday, wasn't it? We were sort it of was Thursday, yeah. sporadically throughout the day, and I was trying to do my review of the We chat review. without you, Gary. You're so not there on yeah, a well, Thursday yeah, when Matt and I have our chat. Yeah, yeah it, I was sort of watching the preview, and every so often Luke would sort of, we would just start talking. And it was an hour and a half long, Gary. It was too long for me. I, I agree that the episodes are too long. Yeah, yeah and I, it I had so much filler content in there, all these montages about Will I Am... And, you know, about the judging procedure and their sort of, you know, their medley of rock and roll songs. If it was an hour, I think it would have been, a, it would have flowed a lot better. I mm. still like the fact it focuses on, on the voice and the talent more than, say, the X Factor, which focuses on the, the you know, the, the backstories. But, at but the I would time, disagree with that. I would say that Jesse J and Will I Am and Tom Jones to an extent. They're too busy pulling the focus on them that it's not actually about the people. I mean, her getting on stage and saying, sing with me, Mm. is the most cringeworthy thing I think I've ever heard on a reality show. It's so contrived, sickly. I would say that Tom Jones is the only one who sort of has any sort of gravitas. Well, it's not not unusual for that to be the the way for Tom Jones. I agree about the other three, and again, I think me and you were talking about this the other day, that they... They've sort of given them sort of edicts. The Dutch uh, creators of The Voice have said, you know, you're not allowed to call them spinning chairs, they're turning yeah. chairs. And you're, you know, your coaches, not judges, they're artists. And they've also been. They're not. To but act- these are things that set them apart from the mm. X Factor the as well. They're, as trying well. To, been- they're trying to make that mm. difference count. They- but the X Factor's got humour. It's got yeah. fun elements to it. The voice seriously. is too serious. Yeah. The voice thinks it's above everybody. Yeah. The voice is that person at the party uh, saying, "You know, I'm too big to be but, here." But I think I think the point is is that they are trying to say, "Look, we're trying to strip away this idea of reality television being about who can make you laugh." Who can who can, who do the public feel sympathetic for? We want to. But that's what stuff. makes these shows great. That's but what that, they don't realise. But, but, but then you, get, you the, say that's where the format yeah. needs tinkering more than the show. But on because the, the format is well, the highlight those that are the voice, those yeah. that can sing. There wasn't. Everyone seemed to have a character. You know, they have people who are who don't look like you typical pop stars who will. You know, like the the big fat guy at the beginning, or the yeah. one that you couldn't see. <laughs> I, 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 I want to watch it now. How big was this big fat guy? And then, like, you have the people who, who've had previous success, like you had Kavanagh. That was a bright. That was a real. That was a real. I've only just got over Kavanagh not being around. Who he even was. The thing is, I would say the reason I think that the, the the coaches on this are slightly above the judges on X Factor is how many times do you hear Louis Walsh talk about tone, talk about vibrato, talk about actual singing comments. I'm, All Louis yeah, Walsh does is, uh, you're a great guy. The people of Liverpool, stroke West Indies, stroke. <laughs> 
Dutch Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, and you're, <laughs> you're just like Rusty Lee, Keith Chegwin, and my mum all rolled into one to be sure to be sure. He doesn't talk about the singing. I know, but let's be honest, nobody that watches these reality shows honestly cares about singing. The people who care about singing are listening to proper music, they're not watching the expect or the voice well. if they honestly care about singing. That's why you'll never get anyone with any proper credibility doing these shows. And Tom Jones is the best thing on it, and he's just overshadowed yeah. by Jesse J, who's incredibly I, I annoying. I agree with you, they seem to be more annoying this series. Obviously, they've told them to be more enthusiastic, which means that Will I Am always sort of has to make a funny position in his chair whenever he well, turns that, around. that I found reasonably amusing, but I, I will probably get really? quite <laughs> Will I Am goes through this kind of like roller coaster. He started off really good at the beginning of the year, then he got really annoying, then he came back down to okay, and then he got really annoying with the Olympic torch thing at the end. I mean, you know, I, I go back to my comment, you know, isn't Louis Walsh annoying? You know, uh, the judges and coaches... Yeah, but for some reason... Yeah, but we, Louis Walsh yeah, but we, is, is just a bit naff, I would say. He's, like, lovely yeah. naff, and he knows that Will I Am is actually trying to be cool. Yeah. That's the difference. Louis Walsh knows I, he's rubbish. I just think it's just terrible all the way around. And I, I don't think I've ever been this anti a show on the podcast before. Um, so I won't be invited to any of them. you actually used to like as well, which I find... I, well, I, well <coughs> what I will find interesting, Luke, is will you actually turn this on in a few weeks' time when Britain's got... Ta- sorry, not when, when Saturday Night Takeaway finishes? No. Well, I, I don't know. What else are you going to watch on a Saturday night, then? Britain's Got Talent starts after Saturday Night Takeaway, which I'm really looking forward to. Fair enough. And it's like I said to Matt. Do we know? Well, I doubt I'd, they probably will, because if the voice is an hour and a half, it won't be. Otherwise, you know, because if Doctor Who finishes at seven, it, unless Britain's Got Talent's not going to start till 8.30, they're going to overlap at some point. Isn't Obviously, that what they did last? Oh, they had that overlap, and then Britain's Got Talent moved back, didn't it? And it didn't I, start till about quarter past or something like that. I think it will start somewhere between 8 and 8.15, I would have thought. On ITV, Britain's Got Talent. They'll want to try and take audience away from the voice. I don't know. We'll see. But they... I mean... But ITV didn't take me away from the voice. The voice took me away from the voice <laughs> this time. It's good um, to get differing I, opinions. I just think... I just, I, I, I'm not sure that you can... I'm not sure that a lot of what you can say you can do without having seen Yeah, it. I would agree with that, Luke. But, I would no, I would agree with that too. And if it was something that I loved... And you were saying it's it was I terrible, and then I'm much. saying, but you haven't even say, I seen agree it. I agree with Gary's point that you know you've got to at least have watched the first episode, yeah. maybe to say what you didn't like. Yeah, about I I agree, and and I and if it was something that you two hadn't seen, and I was raving about, and you were saying it's going to be terrible, then I would be saying, well, watch it. I just I've got it on the Sky Plus box, and I honestly. I never feel like this way about something, but I honestly don't have the motivation to sit through it. There's nothing about it that mm. makes me think I'm going to give this a second go. Uh, and I've got to stop because I'm nowhere near my blood pressure tablets. <laughs> so we'll move on to something else. Um, and Dex, Saturday Night Takeaway, did you see it, Matt, or were you watching The Voice? I was actually watching uh, episode 5 of Broadchurch on Saturday night oh, and Jonathan Matt. Creek. Right, there you go. Uh, Gary, <laughs> did you see it? Uh, no, I was watching The Voice. Okay, another brilliant episode, and it did beat The Voice in the ratings. However, The Voice did have one success over the weekend. It was the most talked about thing on Saturday night on Twitter, but I never use it, so I wouldn't know. No. Um, 
Sunday night we saw the start of a brand new six-part drama from Peter Moffat, who we want to marry on the podcast when he's next available. Uh, he is the man behind Silk and before that Criminal Justice and uh, North Square for Channel 4. This is his first non-crime drama for the BBC or in general for anyone. Mm. Uh, the Village is an ambitious six-part drama. Uh, begins in 1914 telling the story of the life of the world's second oldest man and the idea behind this is they want to tell the whole story of the 20th century with this series so in in all Peter hopes it'll be on for six seven years certainly an ambitious project never been thought to do before I went to a screening at BAFTA and I do have a feeling that when you go to a screening you perhaps enjoy things more than if you watch them on telly but I watched it again on Sunday and I just I just find it fascinating it just interests me I'm not a fan of Downton Abbey or Call the Midwife or anything like that any period pieces pass me by they don't normally spark my interest this felt like something different and in a piece you wrote Matt you said it took you 10 minutes to get into and then you were with me yeah yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. It, yeah, at the start, I, I it took a while to sort of establish all of the characters and sort of the relationships and stuff. And they had that, that scene early on, you know, where the two boys were in the lake swimming. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this. But then as soon as John Sim came into it, I was like, mm. yeah, this is good. And, I, and from then on, I enjoyed it. I like the fact that the sort of the narrator was, a, you know, was a 12-year-old boy. So you're seeing it sort of as almost like, you know, a... Uh, coming of age almost I would say some of it is and, and that young boy's acting yeah Bill, phenomenal. Bill Jones is it yeah it's just, it's just phenomenal young performance mm-hmm. I think just really really good um, and as as you said earlier very good to have differing opinions Gary you got half an hour in decided it wasn't for you yeah, I, I struggled, I, as much as I think John Sim is a great actor, I struggled with his character and some of the inconsistencies early on. I, I didn't understand why he made his two sons stand up to eat dinner um, and why he was so angry and locked his youngest son, the narrator, in a cupboard. I think, I think obviously these things, from what I understand, are going to come out as the series and the episodes go on. But I think from the first episode point of view, to draw me in, I needed a bit of explanation behind why he was like he was. Because you don't see him touching alcohol till he gets to the pub, which I think was about 20, 25 minutes into the episode, wasn't it? So you, you guess that, yes, he's got some anger issues, maybe some alcohol. You know, you know from the time and, and the look of him that maybe he's got some behavioural problems. But it didn't, make, didn't quite make sense. I didn't quite understand that to start with, and it kind of put me off a bit. I, th- I think that's a fair point, but I, what I don't think is a fair point, and, and why um, I've written another article about it on the website now mm. that you can get, um, is about the, com- the the a lot of the comments, who a lot of people liked it, and a lot of people let me know they liked it yeah. on Sunday. A lot of people said, too bleak, too depressing, and I think... Having thought about it, I mean, initially I was like, yes, it's dark, and we all know, I don't need to harp on, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know I don't mind a dark drama at all, it's, you know, life is often bleak. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. 
If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP. Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. And depressing mm. and drama should, should sometimes reflect that. Um, but I, I think, everyone. yes, but yeah. because it's not, yeah, but because it's a period drama, I think some people think there should be more fun in there, more frolicking, more bonnets, more you know, well, I, sort I, of I, I stereotypical I, period. I don't mind pieces. the grittiness. The, the grittiness of the surroundings wasn't what kind of made me t- not turn off, but think about. And, and I think I'll go back to it because. I would like to. What I think wasn't good was the scheduling. I don't think this was the sort of program that should have started on Easter Sunday at nine o'clock. Mm. I, I I think perhaps if they'd started the week before or a week later. I mean, we talked about didn't we earlier in the week? Luke, we talked about the fact that probably they should have gone for maybe Jonathan Creek on the Sunday, the big Easter extravaganza, and then maybe maybe even. But then they must have been scared. They probably didn't want to put it up against Broadchurch, but they could have delayed it a week and put it on nine o'clock next Sunday. Mm, I um, would have. When there's not a lot else, you know, uh, Foyle's War has already started and is halfway through, so I, I just don't think it was an Easter Sunday programme. Um, it's also worth mentioning that it did get six million on, on Sunday, which yeah. is phenomenal. Uh, did you Do you think, Matt, having seen the first one, you're going to continue, or are you, doing, are you doing what we call on the podcast now, first one Donnelly? <laughs> Don and Donnelly. <laughs> <laughs> what a donnelly um, no what do I think, think I'll stick with it I think I, I am intrigued and I like the the concept that it's sort of it's going to jump sort of between time periods isn't it this first series is, is going up to 1920 so each episode is sort of is it a different year or it's not uh, I think it jumps forward a year in this next episode so, so yeah you... i like that idea and i like the idea that he he wants to tell sort of the 20th century through the events in the village so you you're not seeing say for example in the first series you're not seeing uh, nico's character go off to war you're just seeing him leave the village and that's it it's I like ambitious that, so. I, I can definitely see yeah. that can and i, I also thought... say that i didn't think there was quite enough maxine peak for, for the no, I did agree with that. that geez, I, I don't think there was quite enough of her in the half an hour that I saw. All she did was cower in the background mm. a bit. You didn't get to the bits where she was in the baths then and stuff. No, no. no. and uh, you don't know that she's pregnant. Ah, so that's quite important. Uh, the village continues Sunday at nine, BBC One. We'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, be it on Twitter or on the website thecustardtv.com. And if you want to get a first. Um, an insider's look at the series. My interview with the lovely Miko Michelegro. There, I did it. I did it. Round of applause. Uh, is is on the website now. TheCustardTV.com. Jonathan Creek. Now, I didn't see this. Me neither. Because I was so tired last night 
that I just about managed Broadchurch, and you know how much I love Broadchurch, but I was so tired, I just thought I can't do 90 minutes of anything. Um, and, and Gary, you haven't seen it. Matt, Hello. is it possible to talk about Jonathan Creek without giving anything or too much away, or is it not possible well, to do I, that? I, what I would say is, um, what we do know about it, because obviously you did those interviews, didn't you, that are still lurking around. They're on still the there, they're still there. Yeah, and uh, look the, for them and you will of, find. It's sort of like a new look Jonathan Creek in a way in terms of the character because he's no longer in the windmill, you know, he's married now, he's not doing the trip, the, you know, whatever he did, making the tricks anymore. And this was sort of Sheridan Smith, you know, saying, come back, do help me solve this uh, closed door mystery. I thought very sort of well acted, you know, the, the banter was still there, David Renwick's script was still very good, but the reveals for me didn't live up to sort of the intrigue well, that they'd set up, and there was a very disappointing reveal towards the end. But like um, like any mystery drama, um, but I think unique to Jonathan Creek, the reveals are what you wait for, and so if, if you're saying, as I've heard a few people say today, if you're saying they're disappointing, then it yeah. kind of you know, kind of makes the whole thing irrelevant, does it, or I mean, not? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, there was like a reveal, and then there was another reveal, and that reveal, I was like, oh, come on. Uh, but there was, it was such a good sort of bank holiday cast. You had Joanna Lumley, who I thought was excellent in it. Rick Mail reprising his role as the copper, who is now in a wheelchair. There was Nigel Plain there. Sarah Alexander was was playing Jonathan Creek's wife. So there was a lot of... Why Why did they move this from eight thirty to nine o'clock? Then do we know? Because it was all about it was all about um, it was nothing to do with Broadchurch as I first thought. It was about the the subject matter not being perhaps mm. non watershed. Uh, apparently, uh. there was a few words said in the first half hour oh, as well that would have yeah, been tricky. It's BBC, um, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Jonathan Creek. They are making three more and I will mm. I will see it. It's just I think I think if they'd started it the original plan, eight thirty, I probably could have made it to I, ten. I like what they've done with the character though, and I know Luke you've seen some clips of it and so you know oh, what I mean. I think I like what they you know, they're yeah. trying to make the character a bit grown up, but he keeps going back to his old roots, putting the duffel coat on and stuff like that. I did. I did read an interesting interview. I don't know if it was your one, Luke, with but Alan Davis saying that he almost quit the BBC after they cut his. Um, yes, after program. they left. That whites. was in Radio Times, wasn't it? Yeah, and that obviously yeah. that meant that this would never have happened because, of course, he, you know, he never would have, and obviously a lot of QI would have put under risk. So, uh, it, it, do you think the return to Jonathan Creek is the BBC's way of kind of apologising to Alan Davis a bit? No, I, I don't think so. I think Danny Cohen, who's the. Um, head of BBC One at the moment. I think he likes the show. Okay. I think David Renwick is, as he mentions in the podcast, if you listen later, uh, he's, he's on the verge of retirement and Jonathan Creek is he's still able to write and still enjoys writing. Yeah. And his scripts are still very good. So I wish I'd seen it. I wish we could comment on it. Uh, but, but I haven't. But Another it's on week. there and I will watch it. Jonathan Creek, though, is coming back for three more. It's uh, up in the air whether Sheridan Smith can be a part of it because she's um, she's going to be else. in the theatre. She's yeah, she's going to be on in everything else that autumn. So with Nicola Walker. Yes, um, Nicola Walker. Yeah, she's in a few things. Um, so that was Jonathan Creek. You can catch it again on iPlayer. Uh, if you missed it or you want to see it or you want to give us, or you can come around my house. I've got it recorded. 
Because you've never really seen it, have you? Not really. It's not a program I don't. But I, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm reasonably intrigued to kind of watch a one-off special. Whether it will pique okay. my interest, I don't know. So Broadchurch was on last night. Jonathan Creek was on last night. There was a tiny other show on, um, on a on a sort of obscure cable channel. Oh, here we go. Called Game of Thrones. Now. There's TV that it's worth talking about, and then there's TV that no one else will have seen. Game of Thrones. Did anyone see Game of Thrones? <sighs> you know that I saw Game of Thrones. You know that, <laughs> and I saw it as well. You know okay. That about over four million people, which for a cable subscription-only channel that you can only was get on four, Sky. Was it really four million? I think it was over four million. They're saying. Really? Or was that the American? No, that was the American. Yeah. Sorry. I'd say in America, probably sorry. been around a million. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen about 0.93 something yeah. rare out there, so that's not, that's not bad. Okay, fans of Game of Thrones, just ignore Luke's kind of, you know, feeling of negativity and, and, and bask in the glory that, uh, that we're about to bring you. It returned for the third and its biggest series last night. Uh, I don't think we can really do a story recap any justice no. in this short time. We've Matt. only got, yeah, we haven't got yeah. two hours. We haven't got two hours. Um, but we can say that it, it, it returned bigger and better, and it, it, the fallout from uh, the second series is already extremely evident. Uh, characters are, have moved around the, 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 the massive areas, and lots of things have happened. I think the biggest thing that's happened is that the White Walkers from the north have now decided to start descending yeah. down south, and that's going to have a huge that's impact on the whole series. I'm really I mean, looking was, forward to that. It was sort of an establishing episode. It sort of set up all the relationships, you know, where they're going this series. Yeah. There was a lot of that rather than anything look, major happening because you had Daenerys and she's sort of yeah. trying to get an army together and you've got, you know, uh, what's the name of the ginger girl, the Sean Bean's daughter. She's uh, trying to King's Landing. You know, yeah. to Dinklage, he's trying to sort of reclaim his his former glory. I just say it's five hundred sixty-eight thousand in the overnight Game of Thrones. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's how many episodes there are. How many pages there are in one of the books? I've tried to read them. Six hundred fifty-eight. Sorry, six hundred. Oh, that's not bad. I think that's a reasonable number for, for a cable channel. You know, for a subscription that you can only get on Sky as well. So yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't sort of an amazing episode, but it set a lot up, and I'm really right. sort of looking forward to this. It, the thing about Game of Thrones is it's a slow build to a, to a big climax, and it, it delivers. It's a television program that, when it builds to something, it builds to something decent. This writer knows how to write drama in a in a dramatic way. You know, he has a flair for the really big scenes, but the whole of the series is bringing all these characters into the right place, and then in about two or three episodes, he will deliver something, and it will be well worth it. You know, some so series. When did he start working for Parcel Force? Uh, quite recently. Okay, in the new series. Indeed. Okay, the Game of Thrones. You can, if you're a fan, and I'm being, I wasn't being um, funny. I'm being sarcastic. I do do sarcasm occasionally on the podcast. If you, you can raise it, your right hand when you're doing sarcasm, so that we know uh, that you're being sarcastic. I'll raise an eyebrow. That's you, the best right. I can do. Uh, that's on uh, Monday nights uh, up against Broadchurch on ITV. Um, Okay, life's too short on uh, BBC Two Saturday night. Ratings-wise, it broke um, the uh, the average slot for Saturday night on BBC Two. But I don't think that's 
really that difficult to do, to be fair, um, because what's normally on on a Saturday night on BBC Two, I'm not even sure. Uh, Life's Too Short is the final episode of Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant's series to feature Warwick Davis and his Dwarves for Hire business, featured appearances from Val Kilmer, who wanted to get a second willow off the ground, and Les Dennis, Sean Williamson and Keith Chegwin together. Barry Keith if you don't mind. Yeah, well, yeah. no one knows who Sean Williamson is, but Barry can be said. Well, yeah, like, well, I was trying to give him some credibility. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> hello. I feel a bit like the voice with this. I wasn't that bothered one way or another, and it was long. Uh, no, I see. I quite enjoy. I, I wasn't a fan of the series. I'll prefix this by saying this. I wasn't a fan of the series. Nobody was. Yeah, yeah. but no. I quite enjoyed this one-off special because I mean Warwick Davis. They kind of made him a little bit more likable in this one. Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant were only in one scene, which helped massively. And I really liked the story about Chaggers and Les Dennis and Sean Williamson and their roadshow. I thought that was almost like, it seemed like that was the story that uh, Gervais wanted to tell. And I thought, I really liked the stuff with, um, you know, when Chaggers came out and he, you know, that scene. I won't go into details there. And But, but I think it's yeah. interesting that for once, as you say, Gervais didn't feel the need to dominate it. You know, he didn't he didn't cast himself in the main role like he did in Derek. He didn't, you know, take over like he did with with with, with episodes and things like that. But actually, yeah. and now as you said, Warwick extras, Davis, not episodes. Sorry, extras, not episodes. Warwick Davis. I mean, a recent appearance that he did a program on ITV about uh, dwarves in Auschwitz. Which a lot of in where? <laughs> it's not easy to say. Like, <laughs> please, out of it. Out of it. There we go. Not there we go. So, but the thing was, is <laughs> that you're, you're towards the next switch. You knew a little bit about. <laughs> it's a different episode. You know a little bit more about Warwick Davis now. He's not so much of like, oh look at me, I'm just short. Yeah. There was a bit more the initial kind of like, oh, this is the bloke that was R two D two, or you know. What are the Willow. Willow and Willow. But actually, no, there was a little bit of credibility and it, it, some of his comedy came through a bit. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I enjoy. I laughed a lot at the bits with, you know, Cheggers especially. And I thought that... I think you're a secret Cheggers fan. inoffensive. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And I thought Val Kilmer's sort of thing where he dressed up as Batman, I like that. <laughs> People couldn't guess who he was. That was quite amusing with the dumb, the dumb secretary's guy. And is it Michael Keaton? Adam I just, I, I just, I just, I just don't know. You know, I like Gervais in the right setting, and I don't know. I wasn't warmed by the first series of this. I felt like we'd seen it all before. This final episode, fair enough. But I, I but again, it wasn't one of the. It wasn't. I wasn't motivated to watch it. It felt like um, a decent one-off to Easter, actually. As a one-off, it felt okay. We should say. Um, so yeah, a lot of Easter stuff on, and I feel like I've been the most negative about television that I've ever been in my life. But since if the point three comedy, <laughs> whoa, e, don't no. rear that ugly head again. No, I wasn't going to mention you. the name of it, not because I've forgotten it. Oh. Just I didn't want to mention it. Actually, just it. as a test, what is the name of the, the show? The BBC Three Comedy. About? Yeah. Well, <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. Um, Bad but girls. Of no. course, TV. Some girls. You Some girls. TV is there for us to discuss, um, and I suppose if we've got feelings of this nature, good or bad, then it's doing its job. And regardless of 
of what we've said on t- tonight's podcast. There's an awful lot on the TV. So much so, I'm a little overwhelmed by how much is on. Well, we talked about um, it. We said, I mean, look at what, compare this to January. We were complaining in January, outside of Utopia and My Big Fat Mad Diary, where is the drama? Where are the programmes? <laughs> And now we're deluged. <laughs> I don't know about every title is just a little bit wrong, it, but almost right. My big fat mad <laughs> diary thing. <laughs> my mad fat diary is the uh, yeah. You're almost there. I've given it a bigger name, but yeah, yes. th- there was a lot. There was a lot missing in January, and now there's almost you know we've got we've still got a couple of good dramas. You know, we talked about Endeavours coming. Uh, we've still got uh, Ice Cream Girls to come up on ITV as well, and um, and Scott and Bailey as well. Indeed, Scott and Bailey starting this week, watching. so there's still quite a lot of good stuff to come. We just have about seven minutes to talk about what was for me the highlight of the Easter weekend last night, nine o'clock. Broadchurch. I was tired. I was thinking about going to bed early. This kept me awake. Brilliant episode. This was just yeah, it was really, really, really. We're going to be talking about this. Not only are we going to be talking about this at the end of the year review when we talk about the best, but I reckon in in future weeks and in future months, possibly in future years, when a crime drama comes on, we're going to say. Well, it was all right, but it's no broad church. I think the ending will cement that. If the ending mm-hmm. is good, it will cement it into that that legacy. But for me, it has to have that in order to be totally memorable. Yeah, I agree with that. But I actually have confidence that he could deliver. He's keeping it so vague and open mm. that actually, whoever the killer is, it's going to be believable because he's not led you down. I mean, there's a couple of people that, uh, to me, are clear red herrings. Pauline Quirk's character is a clear red herring. Even I'm though fine. she's got his, his, his skateboard, she didn't, I'm fairly confident she didn't kill him. Everyone else mm. of the major characters, I can see it, and their motivations are beginning to come out. And that, to me, is the main thing. Their motive has got to be good. Yeah. I thought last night's episode, actually, it sort of almost went away from the investigation and concentrated yeah, but I, on I the I thought that would bother me and it really no, didn't. I, it didn't I, bother me at finish, all. Luke, I was going to say it wasn't it, you know it wasn't a detriment to it. It was a good it was a good idea and they yeah. kept that in the background, you know, you found out whose boat it was. You know, there was a couple of little clues but the main thing was about, you know, Jack Marshall and uh, to a lesser extent the sort of the parents, you know. Yeah. Jodie Whittaker again yeah, is just she was brilliant last oh, night. Phenomenal. For me, she's sort of almost a little bit better than Olivia Coleman at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think this week maybe. I think last week Olivia Coleman's acting was superb. The dinner scene I wasn't here to comment, but the, the scene where David Tennant's character went round for dinner was, was glorious. It really it was, was just writing in all its best, I think that. But Broadchurch is I mean, if you're not watching it you must be. I mean, if, you, if you're complaining first about the standard of TV, TV drama, you must be watching week. it. Please catch up. Go and see it. Yeah, I mean, it's still getting tremendous ratings. I said last week it'll be interesting to see how uh, it does against Jonathan Creek, and it did actually fall below average uh, when Jonathan Creek was on Monday night. Um, but actually, could be but consolidated... It's the first coming up spring, the sun, you know, yeah. it, the, the night was a little bit longer. And I think oh, yeah. it's a lot of people who don't watch, like, a full series would have watched Jonathan Creek just because yeah. it was a one-off and they didn't have to, you know, commit yeah. to a whole series. 
And I um, think the fact that you can, you know, we have to factor in catch-up TV, you know, broad churches, yeah. you know, both, I suppose both that affects both of them. Both, you know, I think I'd be surprised if a lot of people aren't watching broad church tonight on I, mm. you know, when the football's on, you know, they, they've recorded it from last night and they'll be watching it tonight on their DVR players. Well, a lot of people must have already done that because, well, a lot of people did that last week. Nine million yeah. when you factor in. I mean, that's just phenomenal yeah, and I'm it. so chuffed. Yeah, so chuffed. That it's been like a this word good. of mouth, hasn't it, Broadchurch? I think. Yes. Not word of mouth hit because a lot of people have said, you know, have you been watching it? And maybe they didn't. But and, and to me, it's as we said earlier in 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 it's particularly in the special episode, it has got that water cooler moment discussion. You can talk about it the next day. Well, oh, did you see this bit? Or oh, I think that bit. And now they've got this kind of like whiteboard almost of characters that did it it's the who done it part that when they get to that ninth and tenth episode you can just picture the radio times well there's actually only eight well yeah so. you can, sorry you can picture that <laughs> seventh or eighth episode the radio times would do a like a story oh. of, like it could be this yeah. person and here's why it could yeah, be that r- person and here's talking why talking at the radio times as well gary i see in the poll uh the nine oh, yeah. overtaken as the as the lead Suspect. I never understood why they went for Olivia Coleman's husband. He hasn't done anything yet. He's no, so... I know. Um, but th- apparently they are going to be resetting the vote every every oh, right. week after the episode, so that um, you know to... any clues that have happened. Obviously, you know, last night there was a character who's sort of definitely out of it now. Let's now, just say. I, I, I know that you guys put some 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 uh, claims down on the table that said that you think you know who did it. I'm still going to go on my David Tennant line. Right. Because basically he's, he seems as if there's something that troubled him in the past and his, his movements haven't even been looked into, let alone accounted for. I still think... Uh, I'm still going with Ollie. Cause, uh, and we found out last night it was his dad's boat, Ollie's dad's boat. That was my theory last week. Mm. That was your theory, and it does stand up. Mm. Look, we've got under two minutes left on this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with any of us, I'll press the button got now. to say? Get in touch with us now. Button pressed. Uh, my, uh, my Twitter info is at Luke Custard TV. Uh, mine is at The Gary Show. And mine is at Matt's TV Bites. With a number of T's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with me uh, during the week, visit the website, thecustardtv.com. As we said, the big things to look forward to this week, for me at least, Prisoners' Wives. Re- uh, not pr- yeah. yeah, I like that. But Scott and Bailey is what I actually <laughs> meant to say. Um, but yeah, I love Prisoners' Scott Wives. Scott anyway. Wives, Prisoners' Bailey. Yeah. The old baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so also not going out. And have I got news for you? They both return on Friday, uh, which means the new tricks repeat tape gets a bit of a night off. It should be good. <laughs> um, thank you very much to Matt, uh, as always, and Gary. Uh, we are here every Tuesday, and the podcast. Like I just get a thanks, do I? Well, well, yeah, yeah we're not always here. Uh, we're here every Tuesday. Uh, the podcast is uploaded both to thecustertv.com and you can find it on iTunes and Spreaker as well. And by this time next week, I hope we'll have reached 20,000 plays uh, of the podcast. So thanks so much for all your support and all your comments on it. It's the Custard TV podcast. Take care, folks. Thanks. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.